welcome to the third episode of Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that is quickly becoming a voice to the growing number of pagan millennials in our brand of witchcraft, magic, practice, and worship. Our goal is to explore the tough and controversial topics that affect pagans, witches, heathens, polytheists, and occultists in today's world. We are your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jara Stone, and also we have uh, our first guest, Franny. First Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. So, um, how is everybody doing today? Doing pretty well. Good weekend so far. I go back to work tomorrow. Not looking forward to that. I know exactly how that feels. <laughs> Y'all, Monday through Fridayers. I know. Yeah. Uh, you, you've already gone through half your week. It is my Wednesday. <laughs> it's also laundry day. It was laundry day last week, and I still haven't done it. Ooh. Yeah. That explains the shirt. Hey, hey, I am supporting Red for Ed today. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we could also get into Red for Ed later because that brings us to today's episode. We'll be talking with Franny about the importance of political involvement and activism. But first, we feel here that it's very important to get to know our guests and their brand of paganism. So, Franny, if you don't mind, tell us your coming of witch story. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I honestly owe my witch path all to Harry Potter. I am one of those witches who found it through Harry Potter. It very millennial like, thing. It's like my uh, gateway drug, I guess. <laughs> I like <laughs> to it. witchcraft. I got a, started reading Harry Potter when I was like 11 or 12, and then during the summer vacation, I was just surfing the internet, and I came across, somehow I came across an actual witch store, and I first noticed they were selling like real cauldrons, and I'm like, this is real. Like, oh my gosh. Like, so I just kind of went from there and started looking more into it, and eventually I considered myself Wiccan for many years. What was the first book or the first thing that you read that really gave you your knowledge about Wicca? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I am one of those that, that started off with the controversial ones. I believe it was Teen Witchcraft by uh, Silver, Silver Ravenwolf. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was the one I had to beg my stepmom for it, and she actually made me promise that I wouldn't do anything bad. And I was, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'll never do anything bad. But I uh, I followed the Wiccan path for a good couple of years, and I kind of eventually just branched out and started doing my own thing, kind of created my own moral code. I still follow, like, the basic Sabbaths and, you know. For the most part, I consider myself a good witch. <laughs> Although I think I lean more now towards like the gray side of witchcraft, but mm -hmm. it's still a good witch. So if you had to classify what kind of witch you are, what would you call yourself? Oh, that's a, it's an interesting title. Um, probably eclectic, just an eclectic pagan pantheistic witch. What pantheon? The two goddesses that called to me the most and kind of become my patron patron goddesses are Bladawith and Caradwen, of the, the Welsh goddesses. I like that. So. I, I've, I've I've heard of them. I haven't done any research into them yet. They're pretty interesting. I know Bladawith's is kind of picking up like you know information. Caradwen's been there for a while, but a lot of people are picking up on Bladawith lately. Seeing a lot more art and a lot more things like for sale for her on Etsy. When I go to look for oils or incenses, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're both kind of like you know that strong, independent woman kind of thing. Where Caradwen is the more of the mother, like hey, maybe you should do this, and if you don't listen to her, she'll just kind of kick you or make you do it anyway. She's like, well, you're gonna listen to me and you're gonna like this, so yeah. And Bladawith is very much like a hey, follow your heart, make your own path kind of goddess. Okay. What, what would you say would be like the most impactful thing 
uh, after you became pagan uh, that, that helped you continue your walk? I know... <laughs> I consider myself, I've been a witch for about like 16 years because I found it a while ago. And there were times where I kind of, you know, left it and stopped being involved as much as I had used to be. I, I didn't read as much as I used to. But then I kept coming back to it for like the earth side. And it's it's more of like when I look at the Sabbaths and I look at my spirituality and life versus other religions, I see it as, you know, like we're celebrating life itself. We see the changes, we celebrate, you know, our lives and then we celebrate the oncoming of death and acknowledge that, you know, that will come. That's just how our universe works. So what kind of magic do you tend to do? Very, I guess, if and when I do need to do magic, it's more for like personal involvement or like, hey, I need a, you know, to kick myself along down this road a little bit more or I need some advice. Show me the way mm-hmm. kind of advice. A lot of tarot reading and oracle reading. So a lot more divination than yeah. magic. So your altar has a lot of ocean (laughs) themes to it because I've seen it. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe what draws you to the ocean, why those are on your altar? I don't know. When I was younger, probably about eight or nine, I had a weird dream about the ocean. And since then, I've just been obsessed with it. Like dolphins, I consider, you know, my spirit animals, I guess to say. Um, There's just something about the draw of the ocean, how, you know, it's where we all came from, essentially. I see it as, you know, like life and death. There's a certain freedom about the ocean, being able to swim and follow your own path out there. But I do have a, a huge bookshelf, more well, bookshelf altar for the ocean. Um, but I had a, uh, an altar set out to d- uh, dedicate to the ocean spirits and ocean goddesses. Uh, there's no specific ocean goddess that I follow. It's just the ocean in specific. Um, but I also have a shelf where I set up, you know, like a rose quartz and other crystals to help kind of give love and promote, you know, healthy change for the ocean because it is in such a dire state right now. And then I truly believe that the ocean is a lifeline of this planet, that Mm -hmm. if we screw up, mess up the ocean as we continuously have been, we're going to be in serious trouble. Right. Isn't it uh, 20... 50, they predict there'll be more plastic than fish in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and that. just the changes that we've seen in the Great Barrier Reef right now, I mean, that should be a red flag to everybody. Yeah, they're having a lot of bleaching problems, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. So being that the, you, you say you've been a uh, pagan for about 16 years now, mm-hmm. from where you started to where you are now, what are some of the major differences that you've taken upon yourself? I think I had this moment growing up where, you know, eight to sound like the stereotypical teenage witch, but I mean, the magic part was what originally, you know, drew me into it. And I was very much involved by like, hey, let's do this spell and this spell and this and this. And like at the same time, I acknowledged like the Sabbaths and the spirituality of it. But then I kind of sat down one day and I'm like, well, that's not the most important part of that. This, you know, the goddess, you know, seeing the earth and everything like that. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. That was just like my snap moment where I was like, oh, I've been seeing this, you know, not to say that being, you know, more involved with the magic side is wrong, but the spirituality to me at that moment became more important. Okay. So definitely today, like I don't do as much magic magic as I used to. It's more involved with like, you know, environmental issues, protecting the earth, trying to get us back on track with that. Okay. 
Well, I guess uh, that's kind of a good segue into uh, into one of the reasons why we uh, why we have you here. Well, yeah, it is. It's a great one. Okay. So um, I guess I'll do a little caveat. One of the reasons why I was so gung ho about starting Millennial Pagan Podcast and why it's Millennial Pagan is that I've been seeing a lot of millennials actually um, going out there and trying to make a difference in the world politically, environmentally. We're the kind of the start of this whole, I guess, arms race to actually caring. And um, we saw a lot of that with the Occupy, and now we're seeing it with the next generation taking up also their own problems and their own things and going, you know what, no, this isn't working. And we saw it a lot with Bernie Sanders' movement and so on and so forth. We can go on and on. But one of the reasons why I wanted Franny to be our first guest was because she really demonstrates a lot of those things that I think the millennials want to do. And being a pagan herself, I want kind of her view on how to be more active. Because I'm not very political active. I'm more armchair activist, I guess, or a Facebook <laughs> activist, you could say. I've seen you go out and do. So that's why I wanted you here. Thank you for coming. Of course. <laughs> so I guess my first question in that brain is, why is it important for us to be involved in local government as pagans, as millennials, or as anybody? It's very important. I think it also depends on like your spiritual beliefs. Like, like I was saying earlier myself, um, I'm very earth-centered. Um, so, you know, like I celebrate the seasons. And to me, it would just seem wrong, I guess to just kind of sit back while all this destruction happens, while we trample the earth, while we misuse it as we have been. Like, you know, it's, it just, you worship this beautiful, you know, blue marble in this expansive space and we don't do anything to protect it. Right. So, but as far as being involved in local politics, um, essentially a lot of people think, you know, to change the world that you need to start, you know, big or federal government, you know, that's what most people only pay attention to. But really, you know, if you want to change the world, you have to start small, just look outside your window and go from there, like pay attention to what's happening outside your window and your surroundings, because like one small step in that direction can have a huge ripple effect, you know, throughout the government up to the federal government. Right. I mean, we just saw it on Facebook. I saw a video of an African-American male barbecuing at a local park and a woman just flat out being completely rude to him. And the local police officers were called. Well, the ordinance that says whether or not you can barbecue is a city ordinance. But if this video is going viral, then obviously that that's a whole reaction of everybody. And they're not realizing that to change these laws or to make them even more aware of these laws, you need to start in your city mm -hmm. big time it's just you really have to step up and make a difference if you want to make a change you just take that first step pay attention a lot of this information and stuff that you know i come across or the local events i find is through facebook like you know your local politicians are all on facebook find their page i promise you they're probably a lot more responsive than you know the senators or you know other federal government employees right and they have a lot less lobbying that they have to do or yeah they're much more involved because i mean and a lot of people don't go to local you know voting it's, it's a very low turnout so they mm -hmm. really have to try and push to get those votes out and to be able to advertise and market themselves like most of the money comes from them or like local citizens of their city well what are a couple things uh, a couple things that you've uh, personally been involved with uh, locally 
last thing I was involved in, we did a sit-in down at the Capitol to stop the Phoenix, the Phoenix Chamber of Commerce after the state of Arizona tried to, uh, actually tried, they did pass, I believe, Prop 206, the minimum wage hike. Mm -hmm. um, there, were, there was a lot of pushback on that, and they tried to repeal the Voter Protection Act, which, you know, allows, lets us put laws into place in Arizona and prevents them from being changed or repealed themselves. So if they were able to get that out, then they could revoke anything we had put in place, like medical marijuana, the minimum wage hike, they could just do whatever they wanted. So we went down sat silently while you know the special committee voted and they ended up voting no on it which is great because protects all of the things we've put into place but that was something a lot of people didn't you know know about and media wasn't pushing it but it was very 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 critical to have them vote now yeah that's one of those very important things that you know it, it can fly under the radar you right. know because i mean i mean do, do you expect mainstream media to talk about something like that no Mm -hmm. Even local media talking about that. I, I just want to make sure I understand the law that they were trying to put in place would have been able to take away um, certain things that voters of Arizona voted on. So it would have been like if you if. Well, well, let's go with medical marijuana. It was on the ballot when we voted for president here in Arizona. And. If it went through, then that law could have said in Phoenix that, that they don't have to go by that, or in Phoenix it doesn't even have to go on the ballot. What they could change about it? or uh, Well, what were they trying to do? Were they trying to make sure it never ended up on the ballot for Phoenix citizens, or were they trying to make sure that if it ended up on the ballot, it passed, Phoenix can then decide they don't want it? Yes, they could. So Essentially, like, if we... Because we would still have the right to push laws. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you get enough signatures, signatures on a petition, you can have, you know, whatever you want on the ballot. Um, you know, if we voted in, you know, our state legislature would have the option of, you know, changing it, you know, a negative or even a positive way, or they could just outright say, no, never mind, which is actually how we got this law in the, uh, the voter Protection Act in the first place, Arizona had previously voted yes on medical marijuana and our legislature said nope and they took it away. So the next time we got to vote, we put the Voter Protection Act in place. Okay. So a bit of irony in there. Yeah, it is kind of funny, <laughs> protecting it for the next time. Yep. yep. Yeah, we did not like that. No, I <laughs> wouldn't either. Yeah. So, um... What other than the sit-in, which was a good experience, and I don't think you got to finish what uh, what actually occurred. You said it was a they said no that they're not going to do that law, but there was a little bit more to that story that you told me. So yes, coming up, I believe in the 2018 um, this election, there will be something on our ballots, you know, pertaining to this. Since we voted no on it, it'll kind of be up to us what happens with it next. So, mm -hmm. as far as what it's going to be called or any other information, that on a hundred, not a hundred percent on, but I know there's going to be something that we get to vote on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so um, that's a good experience. Do you have any bad protest experiences or any experiences <laughs> where you went down to the Capitol to say something? I, was, I went down for the March for Science, which was a lot of fun. There was a ton of people. That one went down really well. No kick, you know, pushback from people. A lot of people on the side, you know, watching. But as far as bad, nothing too serious. I was involved in the no doppel protest downtown as well, which was against the, you know, 
the Dakota Access Pipelines. And we were standing on the side of the street, you know, holding signs up for passing cars. And a lot of people, you know, honked their horn in support and cheered. There were a few people who drove by, you know, flipping us off. I had a guy who was just walking by, come by, start talking to me and like, oh, well, completely random about how Trump won and how we just need to accept it. And I was like, sir, out of, you know, all due respect, this isn't what this protest is about at all. Right. So, but I think because it was so close to the election that a lot of people took it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Right. You were involved most recently, Arizona had Red for Ed. Mm-hmm. And you went down for Red for Ed. Is yes. that correct? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to explain what Red for Ed was? So, Red for Ed, uh, uh the at least from from my perspective Mm -hmm. was to not only get more money for our teachers because that's what everybody thinks it's just about but it was also to get more money for school funding right to be able to help the kids pretty much get uh get everything that they needed to learn get everything that that they needed for for sports for music all the different equipment and all that a lot of it was just centrally focused on Oh, the teachers want more money. Mm-hmm. No, the reason the teachers walked out was because they wanted more funding for the students. I know a lot of teachers personally that said, I could give a crap if I get more money. We need more money for our students. So a lot of people really took that, took the the movement as, oh, the teachers just want more money. Let's go ahead and just lie in their pockets, which uh, Governor... Uh, uh, Ducey. Um, I really had to stop myself from saying what I wanted to say. <laughs> Thank you. We're uh, trying not to be super politically right, obvious. Right. But a lot of the things that he was saying and that he was doing was primarily just to get the teachers more money. And yet he wasn't talking about extra funding for students. Right. Which really, I mean, personally, it was heartbreaking because he was, he was trying to f- do a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And the teachers actually walked out. This was national news. It was. The teachers actually walked out of school for six school days. Six school days. Think about that. Think of how many kids didn't go to school for six days because their teachers weren't there. And how many other people's jobs were impacted mm-hmm. by that? Yeah. How many other people's jobs? How many people had to miss work because they needed to stay home with their kids or because they couldn't find a babysitter or, or any of this? And I mean, I personally know a couple people who, who are teachers that did stay behind and made sure that, because there's a lot of these kids, there's a lot of these kids that have uh, th- their only means of a meal at lunch mm-hmm. are the schools. They don't have a good home life environment. They don't have the the funding at home to be able to feed them and take care of them throughout the day. Where is, you know, and there was a lot of teachers who still supported Red for Ed, but they also realized these students need help as well. There was a couple of charter schools that said, we just can't close down because of that reason. But mm-hmm. if you go, your your kids will be put in somebody else's room. Somebody else who is here will take care of them. Go do what you need to do. Yeah. Now I thought that was actually really a beautiful thing that some of these schools were taking that on them. Definitely. So, yeah. what, what was uh, what was your experience like at the at the Red Fred? 
Good. Like nothing bad. It was a very like, you know, unifying feeling being around a bunch of people. I, you know, originally went to school to be a teacher. I did a lot of student teaching. So even though, you know, I went on a different path, um, I still feel tied and connected to, you know, supporting mm-hmm. te- my fellow teachers. It was a lot of fun meeting a lot of different people and you really felt the love and like the, I guess, the push for this mm-hmm. and how important mm-hmm. it was. Um, and, you know, I made a... I posted something on Facebook after seeing a lot of, you know, criticism and hate and pushback from a lot of other people on Facebook about this, about like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not sure what to do with my kid. I can't go to work. I can't leave work. And it's, it's funny, like, since how much we depend on teachers and schools for more than just teaching our kids, yeah. like mm-hmm. without them, the city just stops. It does. It does. I mean, I'm, I, I know where, where I work, I, I work in a call center. And it was about half of the people that usually are there at the time that I get to work weren't there at all. And everybody else, and you, you could tell people were stressed out because those people weren't there. Yep. Sure. I had more people in my workspace. I'm a private security in a public space and it kind of considered entertainment and people instead of calling out would just drop their kids off and like here you you guys take care of take care of my problem right now yeah like I, I don't have time for this here's 20 bucks go entertain yourself for the day well when that 20 bucks runs out at for food yeah or wherever for whatever suddenly they're my problem mm-hmm. I mean I, I do have to say I mean I, I got a lot of um a lot of pushback on Facebook as well because I actually I reached out to uh, uh, Governor Ducey and mm-hmm. I actually sent him a message like why aren't you talking about the actual reason behind Red for Ed why are you just focusing on the teachers want more money why are you not talking about the students need the funding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why are you not talking about that and I got so many other people you know, half and half, bad mouthing me and supporting me, but still nothing from Governor Ducey. Yeah, and his, his comment of, well, at least we're not last or something along those lines. And you see a lot of hate and pushback on Facebook. And to me, I don't understand it because this is such an issue that affects all of us that we should mm-hmm. be 100% behind these teachers, even if you don't have kids. Like, you need to support the you know education education system. You ne- We want smart people. Yeah. <laughs> we want educated, you know, fellow citizens. We want educated people who eventually run our government or you know plan our you know mm-hmm. public transit systems yeah it, it was actually kind of funny I actually talked to a couple of students who were affected by by red Fred and even they said it was not a vacation our teachers were doing something for us they're doing it for our future and for the future of America mm-hmm. essentially because our children are our future and that's something that we do need to focus on you know, we we may be millennials now, but what about the next generations coming up? Mm-hmm. What example are we setting? Right. No, I so. agree. So I actually want to move back. You said you were working with the Dakota Access Pipeline. Why do you think doing that or caring about that as a pagan in North America or America? Why do you think that was an important thing to do? Mostly because there is a lot of, you know, fracking isn't the greatest thing since sliced bread. There's a lot of problems with it, you know, no matter what they say or try to cover it up and, you know, candy coat it. It's a very bad thing. And having, you know, oil spills all over the country. I mean, this stuff is almost irreversible to fix. Mm -hmm. And 
we can't get that lamb back. And again, it goes back to, you know, being pagan as I worship the earth, I'd be, it just seems like my duty and my responsibility to step up and try to protect it. And right. Steer us in a different direction. And when you said, uh, we don't get that land back, it's not even ours to begin with. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was my major thing was that <laughs> we're encroaching upon actual law that we signed with another sovereign nation and we're just saying well we can go in there and do this anyway they're not american citizens to any degree they live here on the land in that is surrounded by this country but they are their own nation mm-hmm. and they have their own rights and we the un should have maybe made it a more bigger deal because even a a representative showed up at the UN and was like hey um they're gonna do this shit to us uh can you say something it's just the whole aspect of you know America thinks oh nobody can touch us and to a point most people are afraid right to you know say, say anything and if they do I mean you've got so many you know big media and other people who can kind of cover it up and change people's perspective or like, Mm -hmm. hey, scapegoat, look at this. This is a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. And you had to really look for information day in and day out about the Dakota Access, like just the ground zero of what was actually happening there on the line. Definitely. And during this, too, we had the 2016 um, presidential primaries and Mm -hmm. I was waiting for Hillary. I had my fingers crossed. I'm like, just mention Doppel, just say you're against it. And I mean, that would be such a huge thing to get people not only behind you but it would bring more awareness to this issue because a lot of what happened to these people while they were out there protesting just got swept under the rug right did bernie sanders go i know he said something about it i believe he he go there yeah and he went there and he said something about Mm -hmm. it yeah so i was a little came out full on like against fracking very Mm -hmm. environmental which is what i would want a political candidate coming from you know my environmental stance to be like right and just be open about the issues that they care about period Mm -hmm. um definitely definitely where they get their money from too and who's lighting their their pocketbooks the only candidate that uh had a stance on animal rights correct yeah which i mean i i have to say to, to that i think personally it was a sign from a god, a deity, oh. Bertie, Bertie Sanders, Definitely. the little, the little <laughs> bird that landed on his podium as he was giving a speech. Wasn't he legitimately talking about environment at the same time? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Bird, he's like, little bird just just lands right on his little podium, and he's like, "This is what I'm talking about right here." Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think that I, I believe that was amazing, and that was a sign from from a high, higher power or as many higher powers that can do something <laughs> like that. And it's just one of those things where it got swept under the rug by the people who are now in office. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you would have, I know, big media, as soon as Trump kind of, you know, took office, they looked inward and said, oh, did we create this monster? I'm like, well, when you're filming empty podiums and Bernie's having a rally in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're not filming that or putting it on the news, but you're waiting for Trump to come out. Yeah, I think you kind of did. Mm-hmm. And like back to the Bernie thing, I actually had a Bernie Sanders um, bumper sticker on my car. <laughs> but I, I, I thought the same thing as well. Like this, you know, my personal belief, other people will see different higher powers. Like, this is a sign for the earth and the goddess. Like, hey, please pick this candidate. This is who I choose. This is the way we need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he didn't get the, you know, the primary election, when he didn't get... When the primaries happened, there was a lot of things that, that were 
that were going on at the time, mm-hmm. which I mean, and, and right now, if, if I can just say a sidebar, um, personally, before that, before that happened, I was registered as an independent mm-hmm. because I, 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 I don't side, but seeing as what happened with the primary elections, how much, how, how messed up things were trying to go vote as an independent when every, when people actually stated, I registered as a Democrat. I, why can't I vote in the primaries? A lot of the computer systems had those failure issues, mm-hmm. quote unquote, failure issues. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to say this for anybody who is registered as independent or not a primary party, do so ASAP mm-hmm. because this is one of the reasons why I believe our voice is not being heard. It's because our government is a two party system. In a state set up the way that Arizona set up. Yeah. In other states, they're not treated as poorly as, well, let's be honest, red states. Yeah. Historically, red states, we can even just add. But that's one thing you want to look at your voter rights in your state. Because you're, yeah. you're going to think that, oh, I'm an American, I have voter rights. It's going to actually change state by state. It is. And even city by city, like just look at, we had a major problem where they tried to change our voting districts Mm -hmm. and in an unfair way. And even your voting district has a lot to do with how Mm -hmm. things set up and where the money falls. And I I will say this. I actually saw something online uh, before all this started happening. Um, I don't know. I don't know if if you've heard of it, but Adam ruins everything. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you guys want to understand a little bit more about the voter process watch i believe it's called adam ruins elections Hmm. there's actually an episode where he talks about it and it was it's a perfect indication of what happened here in arizona where the districts were changed so it screwed everything up Mm -hmm. and it favored one party over the other oh yeah Mm -hmm. so i say at least now if you you know if you don't know do your research, find out what's going on in your area, but it's probably safe to say you better register as either Democrat or Republican, whichever one you choose. Now, we can't tell you what to do, but we do suggest to do something. Yeah, we, we suggest you do that so that way, when the time comes, you can help the right side win. And even more importantly than that, just go and vote. Yeah, definitely. Go and vote. Like, millennial percentages for voters this past time was better, but we're not doing the best that we can. And I understand a lot of people were very disappointed in the two people that they had options for. And I get that that really made it a difficult choice. Yeah. But anyway, I think we're going to take a short break and we'll come right back. Yep. All right, and we are back with Franny on Millennial Pagan Podcast. Um, Franny, now I, I know that you're very active in a lot of the environmental groups uh, out here in Arizona. Why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about a little bit about the, the groups that you're a part of and any other groups that you might know that our listeners uh, that are in Arizona might be able to become a part of so the big one right now that i've been following for a while since i found them again through facebook um, is arizona sustainability alliance mm-hmm. and they are a nonprofit group that helps to promote you know sustainable change within arizona and they do it through bait uh, project-based change so they'll have like monthly meetings or monthly you know volunteer activities where you can go and like help clean up north mountain or recently they did one where um 
it was called Grow My Own Garden, and people went and, you know, helped set up gardens and, you know, pots and stuff for refugees in their homes so they could have food in their backyard. Wow. So it's, it's not always about going out, you know, and, you know, to the mountains or down to, like, the Rio Salado, you know, river and cleaning up that area. It's more of like, hey, what can we do to make Phoenix a little bit more livable? Mm. Or not even Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, to help out the communities yeah. and whatnot. Um, and what, what else uh, What else do we have going on? Um, they also do uh, monthly sustainable business meetings. And so, like, businesses in the Phoenix area can go to these meetings and learn how to be sustainable? Yeah. They have, oh. like, you know, projects and ideas of how, you know, you can implement different ideas to, you know, make your business more sustainable. Neat. That's nice. pretty That's Kind of a community useful. event where everyone can kind of come in and pitch ideas. Sometimes they'll have local guests and speakers come down to talk. Okay. And what group was that again? The Arizona Sustainability Alliance. Arizona Sustainability Alliance. Okay. Okay. Um, and do you have any any events coming up that uh, that you're gonna be you're gonna be going to with that group? With that group or anything else? Their next v- event that I'll probably be going to is their Sustainable Food Systems. So talking about like where our food comes from. Right. And they also just did an urban tree planting, which Tempe has been pushing um, a urban tree f- or urban forest program to help cool with urban heat. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just reading about that talking about how we need more shade in the area and building, getting more trees in would help with that and keep us cooler because a lot of our heat problem comes from actually our streets. Yep. So recently Tempe has been kind of an ongoing project. I'm sure they're going to have another one coming up soon where, you know, we've gone around the city of Tempe and planted, you know, trees through parks or down by Tempe Town Lake or in the backs of like businesses and stuff to kind of help cool off Tempe and I guess essentially the city of Phoenix Mm because urban heat is a huge issue for us right now. Right. Of course, coming up on the 100 days of 100 degrees. So what other kind of things do you know about that the city of Tempe is doing? City of Tempe actually just adopted a huge bill where they are trying to go. It was pushed by Lauren Kuby. Um, they are planning to go 100% renewable for city operations by 2035. Wow. And they also want to be carbon neutral by 2050. Do you know what kind of first steps they're taking for that? Right now, we are currently sitting at 6.5% of renewable, you know, they use 6.5 renewable energy for city operations. Um, and most of that comes from like solar rooftops locally. Right, right. So that, I guess the first step would get, you know, upping, you know, where does our energy come from? Mm-hmm. And which, more solar panels probably would help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is kind of where local politics feed into like state and federal government because a lot of that money and grants and stuff comes from like the state and, you know, where they're headed and, you know, who's allowing what. Right. So, so we were, oh. Well, I, I, I was actually just going to ask what, because um, we do have listeners outside of Arizona. What advice would you give to, to, to anybody trying to get into environmentalism locally where, where they are? Explore Facebook, essentially. Again, like look up your local politicians, see what they're doing, what their stances are. A lot of the times they'll post events or even like, mm-hmm. hey, meet and greets, come talk to me, come tell me what you know you want to tell me. You can look under you know your, your local event section. Um, you can even search for like, you know, tree planting or other, you know, groups that are doing things. You basically find, at least on my part, I have found everything on Facebook. And then once you like, you know, you get your foot in the door, you meet this group, it, you'll meet other groups and other people. Right. And more and more will pop up. 
And it really depends on your area. So like we're talking about, we have urban heat problems. If you're from a different state, you might have other problems like clean water mm-hmm. and, um, well, clean water, Flint, Michigan. Yep. What, can, what can we say um, about that other than get clean water to Flint? <laughs> <laughs> So, like a lot of other states, even Tempe, we have a big water problem with our pipes and letting. I'm sure a lot of people who are local to our podcast are having a lot of headaches with, all of a sudden, this road's closed now. Yep, yeah. Um, I believe Te- City of Tempe posted a message on Facebook saying, hey, you know, this smell is coming from the pipes and, you know, this is because of this and this, um, which is also something when you go on Facebook and you look up your local politicians, go ahead, go to their page and scroll down to where it says, you know, like, follow click that and hit the little star that says see first because it'll be the first post that you'll see that day and if this stuff is important to you i mean facebook hides a lot of what you see you'll you're gonna want to see this stuff first so any updates they post you'll know about it right yeah that's actually really good information i didn't know about that so (laughs) i guess i'm gonna have to open facebook Tempe, kind of to reel it back to what uh, Tempe is doing for sustainability. So we've got the 100% renewable energy coming up. And then they've also, like I said, um, been working on the urban forest. They have zero waste days where you can go to certain parts of the city and you can, you know, you'll essentially give them your old electronics to recycle. So you're not just tossing them out. Mm -hmm. Um, They've started a bike share program, which I'm sure if you've seen the yellow and green bikes around the city. Uh (laughs) They're actually slight headaches for me. it's yeah some of the local um the councilmen and councilwomen they, they've gotten a f- their share of emails lately from people complaining and they're trying to you know appease everybody but essentially mm-hmm. you know it, it's for people who don't have cars and to promote people from not using their cars which a lot of our environmental issues come from cars and our bad <laughs> air quality yeah, yeah. So. well no, which is kind of funny you bring that up because uh just the other day i was out and about and i actually saw not just bicycles but scooters i saw them hmm. too yeah that's yeah. kind of kind of interesting so some of the negative things I heard about the bikes but I'm seeing them being used a lot and I'm actually really happy with how much I'm seeing them used. Major problems that we have at least in the city of Scottsdale is that they these companies promise the city of Scottsdale only a minimum this many bikes in the city at any time and that's not the number that are there and it's not really just because people from Tempe are biking up to Scottsdale these companies are actually dumping more bikes than they promised another problem was in the very beginning they were dumping them in public places but private property Mm -hmm. Um, so I would end up walking past like 30 of them and having to call the company and say you can't leave these here you can't drop them off here this is private property and they're like oh okay we'll come get them three days later there's still about 25 sitting there and some parked in different places Uh, something that i'm worried about is that these people that pick the bikes up when they're tourists don't have helmets yeah (laughs) and that is scary to me we are very fortunate that we have sidewalks and bike lanes but nobody has a helmet (laughs) yeah there's there's some places in the valley where it's just 
not having a helmet is it, it, it's it's a lot scarier mm-hmm. than motorcyclists without helmet. And I see that too, but that's state yeah. law. Yeah, yeah, that, that's state law. But still, it's just it's there's a lot of the times like some of the streets that I go down, there's barely any room on right. either side of the street for a bicycle. Oh, right. Yeah, that yeah. was a huge issue right now with the bike lanes on McClintock um, Street. And no, mm-hmm. they were no. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were just repainting them in mm-hmm. McClintock if too. If they were going to keep them or get rid of them and expand that for the car because it's huge traffic, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of traffic issues. Um, so, like, the bike share program is definitely a new project. It's a learning process. Oh, yeah. That's all. Like, the city of Tempe is trying to implement, you know, laws. So, like, hey, so people don't just carelessly leave them around. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, hey, well, if you take it here and you just dump it, maybe we'll implement a fine for that person. If I guess there were some stories of bikes being thrown into canals. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, I've so, come across somebody found out which line is the brake line and how to cut it so where the bike is still usable, but it turns off the, the locking. I believe it's called. They were also yeah. looking into that. Yeah, so they're it's they're we're working on it. <laughs> and they're all geolo- They they all have little trackers on them because mm-hmm. I have a guy that comes around in the early mornings when he's picking them up. And he's like, I have a bike that says it's right here, and I'm like, well, this is a six level garage. Have fun. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, and I'm like, I haven't seen it yet, dude. But it's probably down below because a lot of the people who will bike into work will hide the bike somewhere on property. I've seen so that there, too. and I'm like, it's kind of pointless because anyone can find it. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm like there'll always be another. Calm down. Yeah, but but one of the good things that I've seen that they've implemented too is if there's a bicycle that's outside of the area where it's supposed to be parked, they actually offer rewards for people hmm. who they, they can actually go and get this bike, and if they bike it back to a uh, to an actual parking station they get a $5 credit on their next ride. See, I think that's better than implementing fines yeah. for people because that would all, I feel like that would deter people from using them and we want people to right, use them. Yeah. We want less cars on the mm-hmm. street. So. That explains why ones by my entrance suddenly disappear before I can say something. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely, I feel like they've been getting cleaned up, I guess for lack of a better term. They're figuring lately. out what's working and what's not. Yeah. That's pretty great. Um, other things that we, have we seen anything else that maybe Tempe's working on or even the Phoenix area. Um, I would like to see something implemented like I think um, there was one city in Oregon and there I think um, San Francisco just passed it where there's no plastic bags anymore. So... I know Arizona has put its foot in the door with that as well. I believe flags have tried to pass a no plastic, you know, plastic bag ban. But our state government came in and put their foot down and said, no, we overrule you and signed in the law that says, you know, cities can't do that. Hmm. Wait, wait, what? So they said the bar that, you know, as far as like state and local government, a lot of local governments try to do things and the state usually comes in and kind of, you know, forces their way into things and says, you can't do that. Oh, if only there were a way we could, you know, help with that. Like maybe go out and vote, vote for someone <laughs> new in our state government. I wonder who's doing that. What a great transition. <laughs> <laughs> there are currently two candidates that I am aware of that are going to be running for governor in Arizona. Um, one of them is Steve Farley, and the other one is Kelly Fryer from Tucson, and they are both Democrats. Oh. So. And there's no Republican nominee, or is the Republican Arizona party probably going to push? They're most likely going to push Ducey, unless there is somebody else that I haven't heard of, but I'm 
99% sure they're going to push for him. So you want to talk about maybe Steve Farley's positions a little bit? So currently right now, he is House Minority Leader and Ranking Democrat for the Finance Committee. He is actually going to be having, if you want to get to know him more, and if you're local to Tempe in the Phoenix area, he's going to be having an event on Boulders on Broadway, May 30th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Oh, that's not, not too far away. No. And um, so I know you just found out about the female Democrat candidate whose name just escaped me. <laughs> Kelly Fryer. Kelly Thank Fryer. you. Kelly Fryer. So um, what have you learned? Or The main thing that kind of stood out to me, kind of caught my attention, because I have been leaning more towards um, Steve Farley, because um, he is he one of the things back to Red for Ed, he's been pushing for teachers pay for a while. Now he's mm-hmm. a big, you know, supporter of public transit, which feeds back into sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, but she apparently is very anti-establishment, which is a very good green flag for me <laughs> coming from, you know, a, a huge Bernie Sanders supporter. Nice. Very nice. So, um, well, we just talked state. How about federal? What kind of federal issues are, are on your radar? Oh, there, what hasn't since Trump's been our president? There's been so many, I hasn't been too many positive federal government issues or things that they've been pushing very negative as far as, far as like the EPA and Scott Pruitt and what he has been rolling back um, as far as like, you know, like emissions for cars, um, the clean, clean water, clean air act. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of damage. How about the rock? For president, I I would probably be down for it. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson, twenty twenty. Mm. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm perfectly on board with that too. He he's a people person. If there's one thing I learned about Reagan, is actors can be uh, can be good presidents sometimes. Thank you for the sometimes. <laughs> like I said, sometimes. Sometimes. Well, see, Trump isn't an actor. This is true. He's, he's a, reality a reality star. Yeah, reality yeah. star. Yes. So I, I think we've definitely let the cat out of the bag that at least we are liberals. That doesn't deter, doesn't want us to deter you from actually listening to us. Uh, we do want comments if you are a conservative. Um, we want to speak to conservatives and mm-hmm. specifically conservative millennial pagans. We need opposing views and oppos- opposing voices. Yeah. Um, so don't don't feel like we're excluding you if you do feel personally attacked. I think that's one of the problems America has right now. It's it's very taboo to talk about politics. And when we do talk about it, it's... it's That's (laughs) how we don't have conversations about it or how we don't fix anything. That's why we've been in this loop. Yeah, we need to talk. Yeah, we we need to talk, but there's there's a difference between talking and arguing about a matter. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I mean, personally, with with friends that I have that are on both sides of the line, I always make sure to say we're going to talk about it. We're not going to argue about it. If things seem seem like they're starting to get heated, Mm -hmm. let's talk about something else. Let's talk about what we're going to get for lunch or what we're going to get for dinner. Right. You know, what, what topping should be on pizza? Not pineapple. Oh. Apparently I'm alone in this room. A little bit. 
Pineapple on pizza. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Well, you, you got you got you have the sweet of the pineapple, the mm. savory of the ham and the mm-hmm. cheese. And no. There's a great contrast in flavors there. And pineapple. Adding jalapenos to that is a good mix, too. Yeah. Pineapple <laughs> does not go with cheese. Pineapple does not go with tomato sauce. It's better than that picture floating around on Facebook of, like, pizza with mayonnaise and peas on it. Oh! <laughs> that one, oh, I, that one I can agree. Why would you tell me that exists? <laughs> That okay. one, I, that one, I can agree with. No mayonnaise or peas on pizza. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what, folks? I think we're going to wrap it up today with Millennial Pagan Podcast, uh, as we normally do. Current events going on: May fifteenth will be the first night of Ramadan night. Yeah, there you go. I said you it right, right this time. Uh, May 28th is U.S. Memorial Day. The 29th is the full moon. And like we said, May 30th, if you are local to Tempe, Boulders on Broadway will have Steve Farley. We believe that you do have to pay for tickets, but it goes back into his funding for this <laughs> week, this this episode. We would like to thank our newest Patreon supporter simon thank you so much for your support yes thank you simon and uh, hopefully you got the the message that we sent you just as a little personal thank you as well right and uh if you were on the fence about being a patreon supporter or questioning whether or not it's worth it it is because you get one free monthly mini sewed every time you are a supporter for every supporter well not a personal mini sewed but it's definitely kind of personal it, it's it's a patreon exclusive uh there we go. Mini- so that that we want to bring out kind of talking a little bit more in depth uh for different topics that that we feel probably might not fill an entire episode um but we do want to do these mini so to definitely help you guys uh probably understand a little bit more about us and a little bit more about what you want to hear of course and please if you're just seeing us on like facebook posts or on twitter you can listen to us and subscribe to us on soundcloud podbean and itunes yes itunes has actually been one of our uh, one of our biggest listening ports lately oh, very fabulous so thank you itunes yes. you can also find the pod on patreon as we just said twitter Facebook and email. Twitter and Facebook are both Millennial Pagan Podcast. Email is going to be millennialpaganpod at gmail.com. Where can they find you? Of course, as always, Haggard Haggard Cosplay. Uh, that's my one of my main sources. Uh, of course, find me on there on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Autumn Wolf with an E. Facebook, Autumn Wolf with an E. Mm. Email is going to be autumn.ironwolf, and my blog is on WordPress, Autumn Wolf for the name, but the name of the blog is Iron Wolf Circle. And Franny, where can our listeners find you? I am on Facebook, either as Franny Den. I'm always, you know, welcoming new friends, new people to talk to, or you can also find me under Cauldron and Broom on Facebook and Etsy. I'm currently under, you know, my Etsy store is under construction. I'm revamping it as far as what I'm going to be selling, mm-hmm. so, but you can find me at all three locations so cauldron and broom cauldron and boom cauldron and broom correct okay fantastic all right well merry meet merry part and merry Merry meet meet again. again